Matthew chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James's brother. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus sent out the twelve apostles with these instructions. Do not go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. I will never forget it. Jesus, the master teacher, had been traveling from town to town telling everyone about this amazing new kingdom, this kingdom of heaven where the poor in spirit, the meek, the outsiders, and the oppressed would have value, would have honor, and would have belonging. He was calling everyone to change direction and follow him. And more than that, he was doing incredible things, amazing things that boldly stated that he was not just another teacher. He was something much, much bigger. He sent us out that day. He told us to go to the towns in our area, to our people, and to tell them about this amazing new kingdom. He told us to do the same incredible and amazing things that he was doing and to give to everyone as freely as we had received from him. Everything we were to say and do would now be done in his name because he had called us and we had chosen to be his followers. Us, 12 men, as different from each other as we could be. We weren't the most powerful, the most educated, or the most talented. One or two in the group were recent crooks. One was a political extremist. But most of us, we were just mediocre guys living average stories. We had nothing to unite us in any way except for his name. And because we were going in his name, He said we would be acting in his authority. We would now be part of something much, much bigger. We would be part of a bigger story. All of his talk about fishing for men would now be tested in us. He was quick to warn us, though. There was going to be resistance. Look, Jesus said, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be arrested, beaten, whipped, and brought to trial because of me. But use those opportunities to tell the authorities about me. I admit, my sarcastic thinking kicked in. Right. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Excuse me, Your Honor, have you heard of the four spiritual laws? Is Jesus serious? But he was reading my thoughts. Don't worry about what to say. For the Spirit of God will be right there with you, giving you the words. Nations will hate you because of me. The student is not greater than the teacher, and the slave is not better than the master. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. If you are kicked out of one town, go on to the next. Do not be afraid of those who want to harm your body, for they cannot harm your soul. Fear only God, who can send both body and soul to hell, and yet finds you absolutely valuable. I was terrified. This was not the motivational speech we were looking for. Suddenly, all the crowds, the miracles, the overflowing nets, the prestige of being called by Jesus, even the other disciples, faded away into the background. 
and it was like it was just him and me facing each other. I felt absolutely exposed in his gaze, and yet completely strengthened by it at the same time. Jesus spoke, and his words exploded in my ears. Everything that is concealed will be laid bare, and everything that is hidden will be made known. So tell everyone about my kingdom of light. These are dark times now, but keep shouting the good news into the darkness until the daylight breaks. Keep shouting it, and what seems like a whisper now will grow until you're broadcasting it from the very rooftops of the towns and cities. Don't be ashamed of me. Your families may disown you. Your best friends may laugh at you. Your own spouse or children may despise you. But if you place any of them in a higher position than me in your life, then you are not my followers. If you do not take up your cross and follow me daily, then you are not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I would never be ashamed of him. I practically shouted it out loud. I didn't understand everything he was saying, but I knew this much. I had already left my family and my business, and I was here following him. Isn't that enough? But as he held me in his gaze, I knew what he was saying. Following isn't spectating. Following is obeying. Following is being. Jesus was calling us to be him to our world around us. And if we were going to be him, we could expect to be treated like him, which means that some people will listen and some people won't. I talk about following like it's a singular decision, but it's really more of a daily thing, like choosing to make a living as a fisherman or choosing to be a good friend or a faithful spouse. Today is a new day. Time to take that first step. Follow me, Jesus said. Do what I do. Say what I say. I'll show you, and you show them. If you were confronted with the question, and I think we are pretty often, um, if you were confronted with the question, uh, what story is your life going to tell? Would you have to say any words? Or do people already have an idea of what story you're telling? And I'm not talking about the story that you would tell on a Sunday morning because of something you believe. I'm asking about Monday through Saturday because I have found pretty regularly that no one cares about what I believe on Sunday. They want to know what I'm bleeding for Monday through Saturday. That's what makes the difference. So when I hear that question, what do you want your life story to tell, the reason I ask it was I have never forgotten this moment. I was a senior in high school, and we were on this beach retreat, and I was asked to be one of the middle school uh, chaperones, basically make sure that the middle schoolers don't kill each other in their cabins kind of guy. Uh, And if you've never bunked with a bunch of middle schoolers, it is quite the experience. Uh, The smells alone will tell stories for for years. Um, But we were in this final session, and the question was basically asked of the kids, asked of the group, you know, what story do you want your life to tell? And so people were given this opportunity to share. And they did this thing where they invited the lady who was the cook at the camp we were at to come in, and she was going to share as well. This lady had to have been 60, 70 years old, very small, very quiet, very, uh, you know, just very reserved. And they handed her the microphone, and they asked her, they said, so what, what would you hope that your story is? What would you hope that people would hear and see from your life? 
And I remember it, and, and, and because I took my role so seriously, this was why it was so difficult. Her answer was so sweet, but I just happened to be the most immature person on the planet. She says the phrase, well, I just hope that through my crack, people see Jesus. I'm sorry. I know some of you are going, oh, I get it now. Uh, I could not stop laughing. It was one of those moments when everyone was quiet except for me. Like, I'm sitting here going, (coughs) it's that sound that you make. It's in the back of your throat. It hurts to try and hold the laughter in. She goes on to explain that we're broken vessels, and she goes on to explain the broken vessel thing and that Jesus' light shines through us. But she set it up in such a way that I could not contain my laughter. I was just dying. And people were like, Jason, what is wrong with you? I was like, did no one hear this? Did no one hear this? This is hilarious. This is gold. And she said it on purpose. I know she did. She had to have said it that way because she knew it would be funny. But nobody got it. And I got it. And, but she didn't. She truly meant she hoped that people would see Jesus through her life. And I had to suck that one up and embarrass myself and apologize and all of those different things. And, but it was one of those things where it got me thinking. I was totally caught by the idea of people seeing Jesus through my life. I don't understand how it works. I didn't understand how it works. I didn't get the idea. I was like, how is that possible? I'm so broken. I'm so busted. How are people going to catch a glimpse of this Jesus? And so the idea that we talk about with passing the baton of faith and leadership to the next generation and the idea of releasing people to reveal Christ in their life, those are not just things we want to do as a church. Yes, those are, those are things we want to be marked as, as a church, but individually it has to happen. I think for us, the priority of, of handing the baton of faith in leadership to the next generation and releasing to reveal is an idea that I don't just go to the church when I first think of that. Honestly, my first thought is my kids. You know, and I know some of you don't have kids, but for me, the idea of what are my kids catching from me? What are my children going to be handed by me? Are they going to be handed this idea um, that somehow they, that there's this, it's this combination, son. It's you work really hard and you trust the grace of God and that's how everything's going to work. Or am I handing them some kind of a self-righteous religion? Am I handing them this, this idea of, uh, of it's, this, it's me plus God equals a good person or don't do bad things? What are they hearing from me? What am I handing them? That's my first thought because when I see, when I look at scripture, I see all through the Old Testament, God did very specific things for one reason and one reason only. And he, just, he says what the reason is. He says, so you'll tell the next generation about me. Like he sets things up on purpose so that parents will tell their children and their children will tell their children and their children will tell their, their children. It is a pattern repeated in scripture all throughout. And you see where we get in trouble is when those children don't tell their children, and when those children don't tell their children, and when those children don't tell their children. And you see what happens over and over and over to the nation of Israel. So these marks aren't just what we say, but they're also what we do. Release to reveal. You know, I know that we can say, hey, come with me to church on Sunday and hear what I believe. But Monday through Saturday, the question remains, what are you bleeding for? What are you giving your life for? What are you handing yourself to? What are you being consumed by? Because people see that way, 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 way before they'll hear anything you have to say. And I know we hear that practically, and I know we hear that all the time, but when are we going to start believing that? 
when am I going to start saying, yes, it's by grace, through faith, that we are saved? It's God's love and his pursuit of us. Where is my life reflecting those kind of statements? That becomes the question. And uh, very simply, I think Jesus knew that we stink at the game of telephone. You ever played that game of telephone where you, like, you say something and then you pass it into somebody's ear and the goal is to try and get it all the way down the line? I think he knows that we're awful at that game. And in fact, people tr- twist it so it will sound even funnier. So even if you heard it correctly, you mess up one word or two words on purpose. Don't you? In telephone, that's what you do. You make it worse than it really was. No one wants to play the game of telephone correctly. But Jesus knows we don't play that game very well. So the the thing we're passing is three words. Jesus is Lord. Very simply. Now that statement is so big and so deep and so rich and so powerful that it dictates everything that we do, but it's three words. It's really hard to screw that up in a game of telephone. Jesus is Lord. Ah, I can't mess that up. Jesus is Lord. I can't mess that up. Jesus is Lord. Like, that's... It. And he does this through this announcement, which it's such a crazy picture, but in the, in the text we just read in Matthew 10, you see that Jesus gives them several tasks. Jesus gives them the task uh, of healing and curing disease and raising people from the dead and casting out demons. He's been on this whole tour doing this. He's been on this big old deal, just walking and doing these things in the lives of people. And yes, he gave them all of these tasks, but he only gave them one mission. And that mission was to announce the kingdom is near. Jesus coming, being who he said he is, doing what he was about to do, and finishing the task that he was going to finish, was an announcement. That is the announcement. I'm him. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is who he says he is. And the reason he gave these guys these these tasks was not because, and you know, I don't know if you, I love superheroes, and I I love them too too much uh, sometimes, but whenever a superhero discovers his superhero powers, it's amazing what they do when they find out they have them. Like with, you know, the flamethrower guy, he's like, oh, I could have a lot of fun with this. And it's almost as if I see the disciples walking in this going, what in the world? Okay, I've got all these, what am I, what am I doing with this? And Jesus is like, ah, stop thinking what you're thinking. You're not using this as a freak show. I want you to announce the kingdom. And the reason I'm giving you these tasks is to announce that the kingdom really does have authority and it's my power that's bringing it. And it's, it's a very interesting picture um, because, and I laughed at this because I like to read before and after uh, when you're in the Bible and you're, you're talking about a certain text in Matthew chapter nine. These are the last four verses that you see uh, Jesus talk about. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So, and he's talking to his disciples, Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, I can see the disciples literally going, all right, Jesus, Jesus just said to pray. All right, let's, let's, let's pray, guys. All right, Jesus, uh, Lord, send workers into the harvest. Amen. Jesus stands up, and you see in verse 1 of chapter 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. I can honestly see Peter going, oh, right now. 
we're going right now. We're those workers. We're the ones you just asked us to pray. But I don't have all my systematic theology down. I don't have all of this stuff. I hate the sight of blood. I'm curing and healing. I'm not good at that. I don't understand any of that. I should have taken better notes when you were talking, Jesus. I don't understand everything that you're saying. Peter, 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 chill out. I'm giving you my authority. And the announcement is simple. The kingdom is near. Oh, phew. But what about all the questions? What about all the... Peter, 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 Peter. I'm giving you my authority, and the announcement is simple. The kingdom is near. Um, this is one of those things where uh, you begin to go, oh, oh, could it be that simple? You see, Jesus didn't give these guys these tasks of healing, curing, raising, casting out demons for their own sake. In fact, you see in uh, Acts chapter 14, Paul is walking in this, in this authority, and uh, he actually heals a guy, and all the people freak out, and they're like, oh, it's Zeus, he's come to earth, and they start wanting to do all this stuff and sacrifice to him and worship him. And Paul's like, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. See, this kingdom being announced to people was ultimately this, this freeing of people from things that they were controlled by. And Jesus continues to bring that same message for us to hand to others, freeing people from the very things that are destroying them. That is what we have been tasked with. And honestly, when we're passing the baton of faith and leadership, when we're releasing to reveal, what are we passing to people what are we passing to the next generation to want to step up into leadership? What are we passing them? Why would it even be attractive to someone to want to do that? I remember one of my first, uh, the, the first stu full-time student ministry position I was in, I'd been, been at this church, and I had always been told, you know, tell people to tell people about Jesus. Tell people to tell people about Jesus. Tell people, about, tell people about Jesus. If you're not calling people to that, blah, 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 all this different stuff. And it was about a year into being at this place in, in, this, in this ministry that I looked at the eyes of the students that I was working with. And I looked in their eyes, and I could see them. And I was saying these things to them till I was blue in the face. I was get, t telling them all this stuff. And it was as if the Lord revealed something to me at that moment that they don't have anything to say. And I don't know what the combination of lifestyle was or character or, or just students not listening or, or parents not communicating. I don't know what the combination was. Because for each of them, they, were all, they seemed to all be great kids. But they had nothing to say. There was no rejoicing over the good news. So it made me go, do they really get the good news? Have they been handed the good news or have they been handed some form of just behave, moralism, don't be bad, be good, that's it. There are some of you in this room where that's still your view of what your role is as a Christian. And what your role is as someone who calls himself a Christ follower. Well, I just don't do some of those things. And that's what you're limited to? Really? This generation isn't looking for something to not do. They're looking for something to hand their lives to, to bleed for, to give up everything for, and they're doing it to things that aren't God, and it's killing them. You see, Jesus, yes, he didn't have any kids of his own, but by his words and by his actions made it crystal clear to us that the next generation has to get it. 
There's some of you in here, I know that you're like, kids, uh, you know, whatever, I don't have any kids, so what am I, not a part of this? Yes. And it's a lie of the enemy to think that you are not a part of it. Every single one of you plays a role in passing something to the next generation. Question becomes, what are you passing to them? What are you handing the next generation? Every single one of us is called to reveal Christ in our lives. But would people see Christ if they peeled back our lives? The motivation behind everything. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 is, I've wrestled with this all, all week and going, is it really this simple? And you heard, you heard uh, as the monologue was given, that basically the idea of a Christ follower is we exist to tell another story. We exist to tell the story of another. And you see it right here. Jesus is talking. This is like the greatest sermon ever given. And here you find these words. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Could it be... That simple? Could it be that, yes, our words, we are heralds. We are ones who announce good news. We are ones who announce that death has been defeated, sin has been destroyed, and eternity hangs in the balance on what you do with this message. Yes, we are heralds that speak those words. Sometimes you will have to say those words. I think sometimes we're like, well, I just love them enough. If I just love them enough, there will be a time when you have to speak the gospel. It has to be declared. And I think for some of us, we're like, no, no, it doesn't. And I was at a conference several weeks ago, and I heard a guy say, no one ever came to Christ through eating a sandwich. And I believe there are some of you in here like, no, if I just feed and do all the things. But I started to go, but wait, 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 what about, what about? But then I was like, oh, yeah, people did share why they do what they do. Why are they who they who they are? And I feel for some of us, we're so afraid because we don't understand. We're like, you know, in my mind, you're like how Peter would be. I don't understand all this stuff. I don't understand systematic theology. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the facts by my faith. I know everybody knows more than I do. I don't, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Stop. I live in you. That's enough. I mean, I know some of us are like this survival pre- preparedness people, and we want to be prepared for everything. And you, you won't be. If I can just make it really clear, you're not going to be prepared for everything. And Jesus made it clear. And he he backed it up by saying, hey, don't take anything with you. What? But I'm going on a short-term mission trip. I need a Swiss Army knife. I mean, that's what what he was sending them out on, was a short-term mission trip to go and do the things that Jesus was doing so that they might announce the kingdom was near. But I don't have, you're going with my authority. That's all you need. That's all you need. Um, I really uh, look at this and, 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 and really felt like we only needed to read to verse 8. And there was so much to Matthew chapter 10. 
Uh, there's 42 verses. We could have read all the whole thing. Um, the monologue did a good job of covering that. I would encourage you to go back and read Matthew chapter 10 if you get a chance. But in verse 8, we see the key to why we're passing on what we're passing on and why we're revealing what we're revealing. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, Give as freely as you have received. And I really wrestled with this. I really... Um, I struggled with this because I believe that this statement tells us a lot about uh, who we are and what we believe the good news really is. Um, I understand if you see the gospel as some weird combination, some mashup of your strength and some of God's strength and what you're able to do and what you don't do, why giving it away would not seem attractive to you. Because in some ways we've become Pharisees. Because we don't see what God has done as free. Because we've said, look what I've done. I can earn it. They need to earn it. I can honestly see why, if you don't think the gospel is good news, that it really is the power of God unto salvation, I can see why you would not want to give it away. I can honestly understand why, if you believe somehow in your heart of hearts that you've earned anything from God, why you would not want to give it away. Because very easily we are capable of becoming Pharisees like that. I earned it. They can earn it. Let them figure it out. Let them wrestle with it. Let them figure the whole thing out. I earned it. But if the gospel really is the power of God unto salvation, if it is him alone who offers it, invites it, finishes it, seals it, perfects it, if it is him who does all of it, then we have every reason to give it away. We have every reason to hand the gospel, the announcement that the kingdom is here, that Jesus is who he said he is. That's the announcement. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is our announcement, and that's the bell we ring. Unfortunately, the church has been this, not a beacon of grace, but a bullhorn of like right and wrong. And is it any wonder a generation is like, I hear that at school. I hear that coming from everywhere. Don't do bad things. You see, the only truly unique thing that the church has to offer the world is the gospel. You know there are other organizations that feed people? You know there are other organizations that, that house the homeless? You know there are other organizations that take care of the needs of a community? Good things. Is that all the church is? Some people think that's what it is. That's not what the church is. The church proclaims that death has been defeated. Sin no longer holds a grip. That's what we're passing on to the next generation. And that's what I pray my life reveals to this city. That's what I know this church desires to reveal to this city. It's not this moralism, but that you can really have life. You really can. Students, you can be alive today. You don't have to live for what you see on television and what your friends are dying for. You can have real life. Now, invited into real life makes you go, well, I want, to, I want people to have real life too. If I know that this is available for me, I want other people to have this, and I've got to make sure that people know this. It's very dangerous to hand them something else. Um, I don't do everything right with my kid. Uh, I know that. 
Zeke is, is a character. He's five and full of life. <clears throat> Still a sinner. Uh, full of life. Uh, does, does a lot of wrong things. But there are a couple of things I pray with my son every night. And very simply, I just thank Jesus for dying on the cross for us and for loving us before we loved him. It was amazing to me that uh, a, couple, a couple months ago, I was sitting on the back porch and a, a neighborhood kid was com- had come over to play with Zeke. And it's unfortunate because there are a lot of older kids in our neighborhood, not really younger kids. And so we have a trampoline, so they always want to come and jump on the trampoline, play basketball. And so this kid's probably nine or ten, and I'm sitting on the back porch, and they're out of my, on my eye shot, but I can hear them. And Zeke, I'm just kind of out of nowhere. I hear him say to this kid who he's met once, he says, hey, do you know what the cross is all about? And I'm going, oh, my goodness. This kid doesn't, I mean, son, you never lead with that question. You always ask them, what's your favorite color? Or how do you play? Or what's your favorite superhero or movie? Or you get to know them. And then you ask the question. You know, all the, the professional minister in me says, this is how it needs to be done. And I was like, oh, man, where is he going to go with this? Where is he going to go? And the kid goes, no. And, she, and Zeke goes, um, it means that God loved us first. And the kid's response was classic. He says, cool. You want to jump on the trampoline? (laughs) And Zeke was like, yeah. And so they get on the trampoline and start jumping. And I'm sitting here going, is it that simple? Is it jumping on the trampoline to the glory of God? It could be. It could be that my son gets it better than I do. Me thinking I have to cover every base with every person I walk with. Or it's trusting that I go in his authority. He'll give me the words to say. He'll speak, through, he'll speak what he needs to say through me. And if I'm just listening and paying attention. But it's, it all starts with the gospel. It all starts in understanding what he accomplished, what he's done. And yes, I understand if you think your story is greater than the grace of God, you're not going to want to pass it on. You're going to pass your story on. You're going to hand your stuff on. You're going to hand your things on. And I understand that. Because you're not convinced that the gospel really is good news. It matters what we pass on to the next generation. Because it matters what they rise up in. When I, see, when I look at scripture, the pattern that you see constantly is, this, is a very dangerous pattern. What one generation believes, if it is not communicated to the next, one generation will assume. And if that generation doesn't pass on what was believed by this generation, another generation will ignore what that generation believed. And if that generation doesn't pass on what this first generation believed, this last generation denies it. What are we handing to them? What are we revealing to them? Do we recognize the gospel as the power of God unto salvation? Or do we think it's somehow my righteousness that gets me something. We will be stingy with the good news if we believe we're the ones who make the difference. We will be stingy with the gospel if we believe that somehow we've earned something from him. And that scares me to death. I know my kids are going to need therapy. I know they are. They're going to need it when they get older. They're going to need to break down how crazy their dad was. But if they could catch a couple of things from my life, and from my words. 
That would be my prayer. For some of you, you have to get back to what the gospel declaration is. The band is going to come, and what I would like to do is just, I would love to finish reading to you what the gospel is from the scriptures. I would love for you to see and be reminded, if you are new and you're checking this whole faith thing out, I would love for you to consider what you're seeing. But if you are a Christ follower and you find yourself drifting, see, drifting happens slowly. People are always like, I might fall away. It never happens that way. It's a drift. It happens slowly. And my heart is that you will catch yourself drifting and move back in line with what the gospel is, with what the good news is, what the, what, why it's such a rejoicing moment where we're like, yes, God, you've done it. I haven't done anything. You finished it. You started it. You're perfecting it. I get to experience it. That's amazing. You need to get this. Asheville, get this. Grab this. Hold this. Don't let go of this. Because it really is good news. Um, In the military, there is always the opportunity that you're going to be at war. You're not asking in the military if I'm going to defend my country. You're asking how am I going to defend my country? And I truly do believe that's the question the church has to answer. The question is not if you are going to pass the baton or you're going to reveal Christ. The question is how. For a Christ follower who gets grace, and yes, it's, it's, it's huge. I don't completely understand it, but I'm wanting to. And I know it's valuable enough to pass it on to the next generation. The gospel has always been life on life transmitted. It's always been handed to a people. It's always been handed and it's continuing to be handed. It's continuing to be handed from generations down because it's the good news. And so I might ask you this morning, number one, what are you, what is your life storytelling? Is it your story? Because you can do that. You can choose your story. You can And I can understand if you're convinced that your story is greater than the good news story, that's the story you're going to tell. But if it's not, if the gospel is really good news, then it becomes what we live and die for. It becomes everything. Um, If you guys would uh, do me a favor, I'd love for you to stand as, this, as the scriptures kind of are proclaimed, you can read them along or you can just close your eyes and you can listen and be reminded. They'll be on the screens. But I would love for you to contemplate the power of the gospel. I'd love for you to go, yeah, I had my ideas of what it was, but I'd love the scriptures to form my mind and my heart to what the scripture is. Acts chapter 10. Verse 36, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. God promised this good news long ago through in in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead This is the good news I preach. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead.